Three weeks ago, we talked about this life that the apostles were proclaiming in the portico of Solomon and the temple that was making the leaders of the Jewish authorities so frustrated. Last week, we talked about the Christians first being called followers of the way. And that might have brought to mind that famous passage from John chapter 14, where Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So how does one work in truth for this Sunday? Well, on Good Shepherd Sunday, we remember that we are sheep and Jesus is the good shepherd. And that's the truth. In fact, Martin Luther once famously said, even a seven-year-old child knows what the church is. It is sheep following the voice of their shepherd. Now, what's interesting about this particular Good Shepherd Sunday is that we don't actually hear the passage about Jesus being the Good Shepherd. We sung a paraphrase of Psalm 23, and we get sort of an intimation of him being the shepherd in Revelation, but we actually get in our gospel reading a discussion of us being sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. In Revelation, we get Jesus not first as the good shepherd, but as the lamb. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And then we have the text that we're going to reflect on for a little bit this morning, the lengthy text from Acts, which talks not so much about sheep and the good shepherd as the under shepherds. As Paul addresses the elders or the older men, in Ephesus and tells them to pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. Because you see, this is how Jesus is our good shepherd, even now, that he continues to provide under shepherds for his sheep, that they might be led and fed and protected. When People join a Lutheran church for the first time, especially if they come from other Christian traditions, they will often ask me, what do I call you? And I'll say, pastor. And for some of them, that's a bit of a surprise because in other Christian traditions, that's not what you call the person that stands up in front of everybody on Sunday or sometimes wears the fancy clothes. My very first church in Philadelphia, I was sometimes called preacher, the one who speaks the word. But that's really only one thing that we do, and only for a few minutes on Sunday morning or sometimes on a Wednesday night. Others in more high church, Roman Catholic or Episcopal areas or Orthodox areas might call me priest. But we're all priests in Christ, in our baptism. Every single one of us is given the gift of being able to intercede for the world to God. And that's what a priest does. We are all anointed for that task, me included. Some people call me reverend. But again, we're really all reverends because we are all being made holy by the Spirit. That's the work that God begins in us in our baptism and brings it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. So rather than calling me a preacher or a priest or a reverend, we in our tradition call our leaders pastors. In French, pasteur, which is also the word for shepherd. 
We are under shepherds of the great good shepherd, who is Jesus. Rather than being under shepherd, I would even suggest that we're really kind of the sheepdogs of Jesus. A sheepdog, of course, helps with the herding of the sheep and making sure the sheep get from point A to point B. But sheepdogs do not have minds of their own. They don't lead the the flock where they think the flock should go. A sheepdog directs the flock where the shepherd thinks the sheep should go. And so, like sheepdogs, we also need to be shepherded. We need to be fed with orders from our good shepherd. Even the pastors of our churches are not superhuman. We're not super holy. We're not somehow protected and shielded from the vagaries of life, the effects of sin, or even death. What we are is charged by your Lord and my Lord, the good shepherd, to tend his sheep, to feed his lambs. And with what do we feed you? We sometimes joke as pastors that we don't need to preach the whole counsel of God every Sunday. When you first go to seminary, of course, we take classes on preaching amongst many, many other things, classes on church history, classes on liturgy, classes on scripture, obviously, on the confessional documents. But in preaching class, there is always that tendency in your first sermons to preach everything you think needs to be said about God. And we would often joke about sermons that always started with Adam and Eve and somehow managed to get from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. And we would mutter under our breath, you know, you don't need to preach the whole counsel of God every Sunday. But as the sheepdog of Jesus at Ascension, it is my call over the course of our life together in our ministry one-on-one, in our gatherings and worship and in Bible study to, yes, feed you with the whole counsel of God, starting with the law, the commands of our Lord. The commands of the Lord are given so that the sheep are protected from danger. The law is what keeps us from running off a cliff, being attacked by predators. Of course, the commands of God are what God expects from us, and they're embodied in our catechism, most clearly in the Ten Commandments. But Jesus actually takes those Ten Commandments and boils them down to two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul, looking at that reduction to two, says, I can even do Jesus one better. Doesn't he just mean that the commandments are fulfilled by love? That when a shepherd cares for his sheep, He is demonstrating what true love is, ensuring that they are fed, ensuring they have water, ensuring that they are protected, sacrificing himself even for the sake of the flock. The law is love. And what does love look like in God's eyes? Not the way the world thinks of love. For the world, love is what makes me feel good. You make me feel good, so I love you. Chocolate bars make me feel good, so I love chocolate bars. God flips love completely around and says love is what protects you, not me. Love is what shields and makes you have a good life, not necessarily me. 
And so love is truly embodied. If you want to understand God's love in the Lord's prayer, when Jesus urges us to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That is what Paul means when he says love is the fulfillment of the law. It's what Jesus means when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That God in Christ at the cross forgives us and that we in turn forgive one another is the essence of the love that the good shepherd is teaching us. It's the essence of the command in the whole counsel of God that I, as the sheepdog of Jesus, trying to lead you into. That where there is forgiveness, there is the sacrifice of Christ being made alive here and now in his flock. But the whole counsel of God is less about the law and actually most importantly about the good news. It's why we are not called the commandments of God place or the morality of Jesus' place. We are called the good news place. And if you look at Psalm 23, which is the great shepherd psalm of the Old Testament, it's chocked full of good news. The good shepherd makes us lie down in green pastures, not on sand, like my backyard out in De Montagne. He leads us beside still waters, not the raging torrents of the St. Lawrence, but that still beautiful lake up in the north where you can see the reflection of everything around it at sunset and sunrise. He restores our souls. He is with us in the valley even of the shadow of death. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies, not waiting until some distant time, but even right now, while sin and Satan are all around us, setting a table where we might eat and drink with our good shepherd. He anoints us with oil and continually reminds us that he will ensure that our cup overflows. To bring the whole counsel of God is also to bring the gospel so that you and I, the sheep of the good shepherd, know that they are cared for even while surrounded by their enemies. Shepherds protect their flocks. Shepherds protect from the outside wolves and trials and cliffs and dangers. It's why shepherds have crooks, right? That are defensive weapon to protect the sheep. Now, I don't have a crook, literally, but I do have the creeds and confessions of the church and the Holy Scriptures. These last few Wednesday nights, as we've been going through the formula of Concord together, you're seeing a little bit of a shepherd's school. These are the documents that help us, as the sheepdogs of Jesus, protect you, the sheep, from hearing things that will hurt your relationship to the good shepherd. That might lead you away from the good shepherd and from green pastures and from still waters to waters that are polluted and poisonous and dangerous and fields that don't have anything healthy to eat in them, that leave you abandoned when you're in the shadow of death and a place where you cannot find a table set for you in the midst of your enemies. But we don't just protect from enemies from the outside. We also have to be aware 
that enemies often come from within. And what could be worse than a danger that's inside the sheep pen with the sheep? How do we protect from those dangers that can even arise amongst ourselves? Bad teaching, sandy pastures, filthy waters. Again, you have the scriptures. You can check the word of God and learn the word of God. Don't just take my word for it. Take God's word for it. In the book of Acts, Paul visits a number of different cities, and some of them he commends, and some of them he says were really good for nothing. He went to Thessalonica in the first place, and it was not a great experience. They heard his preaching and said, yeah, we're not really interested. Berea, though, was a whole different matter. In Berea, after Paul explained the things about Jesus, they went back to the Old Testament to see if what Paul was saying was true. And when they found that what Paul was preaching lined up with what God had spoken previously through the prophets, they welcomed Paul warmly and said, now we know that what you are sharing with us is, in fact, based on the word of God. My role is in helping you be Bereans and not Thessalonians, coming in, listening to the sermon, walking away, not remembering any of it, or just taking my word for it. You want to be Bereans where you can say, yes, I know the things Pastor St. Ange is sharing are from God's word. And he is, in fact, sharing with us not his full counsel, but God's full counsel. And we, as a congregation, and I, as a pastor, and Deaconess Emily, as a deaconess, are part of a district and part of a synod where we hold each other accountable. Deaconess Emily and Jason and I will be going to our SCLC district convention in St. Louis this week, where I was shocked to find out it is supposed to be 33 degrees on Thursday and Friday. So those of you who are asking me what to wear, short sleeves, bring your shorts. We're going from frost warning last night to boiling. You'll have a little bit of a taste of what my life used to be like on a regular basis, especially in January and February. But what does our district do? What does a synod do? We hold pastors accountable to each other. We hold congregations accountable to each other. I was ordained into a body of sheepdogs who listen to each other and correct one another. Congregations send lay people to our district conventions so that we as congregations might hold each other accountable. These are all the ways we protect from dangers from within. Ravenous wolves, Paul calls them, who come from even within the church to twist and distort God's word and try and lead us away from the good shepherd. So why do we do all this? Because Jesus is the good shepherd, and we are his sheep, and he continues to shepherd us. He provides under-shepherds, and even under-shepherds for the under-shepherds, that each of us might hear the whole counsel of God, but most importantly, be reminded of the good news. And that's why when graduation ceremonies happen from seminaries, each of us sitting in pews like this, who receive our calls, hear repeated the words that Paul shared with you this morning. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. 
in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. As one person famously paraphrased, Jesus did not say, herd my cats or drive my cattle. He said, feed my sheep. And he will feed you even in the valley of the shadow of death, even in the midst of your enemies. Amen.